it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Hello and welcome to Stramash, the podcast of the NFL Scotland team. Another intriguing week in the NFL and to break it all down, you've come to the right place. We have Ian Stephen and Gordon McGuinness. There is no Cameron Holmes this week. He's still trying to get his voice back after shouting at the Giants and Commanders for 60 minutes at MetLife Stadium. He'll be back next week. Gentlemen, lots going on. We have no awards this week because our administrator is away. Uh, So we'll do a double set of awards next week. But what I thought we'd do is just have a little look at the teams that we can declare their season over. Those on the bubble needing just basically almost to run the table out and just a quick chat about some of the teams that are playoff bound and have a little look at some of the statement wins from the weekend. Let's talk about some of the playoff bound teams and the teams that have made a couple of statements. And I think there was two big wins at the weekend. First of all, Ian, your Eagles stomped all over the Titans. The Titans then threw a hissy fit and fired their GM. Was that all about Brown? Um. Could the NFL be that petulant? Do you think? Yes. I mean, Brown Brown was a gentleman that that uh, effectively wanted enumeration, um, and I don't think he was as uh, diva esque as some wide receivers um, purport to be. Um, and I think the the te- the Titans think they made a a good deal, effectively bringing in the same type of player and trailing Burks, but on a cheaper deal, longevity. I don't think they could be too upset about that. Um, it's probably something long-standing in terms of the general manager position at the Titans, because it's still a team that are playoff bound. It's still a team that could effectively go deep into the postseason. It's not as if they're one in 16 and they need a full rebuild. So um, it was quite interesting how last week Gab um, felt the Eagles offensive line needed to be awarded the offensive line of the week because they did so well. And then straight away against the Titans, it was just numerous false starts and holds, like six or seven in the first half, just to um, pour ridicule upon our analysis daily. Yeah, sometimes that's the way it goes. You get the the, the player of the month award and the following month you're hopeless, etc. This is episode 213 of Stramash, your NFL Scotland podcast. Just before I talk about the Bengals and Chiefs, because Gordon, I think that was a really big win. Let, let's just talk very quickly about, um, well, it has to be, I think, said shameful behaviour by the Baltimore Ravens towards these Denver Broncos. I mean, these poor Broncos are in a horrible, horrible season and you guys go and take the piss by taking your quarterback out after the first quarter, managing to score just 10 points and still winning the game. I mean, shameful, shameful behaviour. It's, it's a sad state of affairs in Denver that and it's not just playing against the backup quarterback. The Ravens didn't move the ball well until the final seconds of the game. Um, and they could only muster nine points um, to to not go and win the game. I did. I, I have to say, for a very split second, when the kick left the boot of Brandon McManus, I thought it was going through from sixty three yards, however far it was. And then I very quickly remembered that the Denver Broncos don't have Justin Tucker, and it fell relatively <laughs> short. 
Let's talk about the Bengals and the Chiefs. We always look for statement wins. Does that qualify as a statement win for you? It does. And I think you, you couple that win with the Lamar Jackson injury that I think at least cost him a couple of weeks, if not a bit longer. And very quickly, the Bengals have now become the betting favourite um, to to be the uh, the AFC North champions this, this season. And this is, you came into the year, and the reason why I was bullish on the Ravens winning the division was because the Ravens were against a fourth-place schedule. The Bengals had to play a first-place schedule. Meant that the Bengals have to go and play the Chiefs, whereas the Ravens get to go and play the Broncos. And yeah, the Ravens obviously beat the Broncos in that game, but this was the game that you want the Bengals to lose to make sure that you know you create a little bit of a gap there. And you know, I, I think Joe Burrow has continued to look really good this year. They had a little bit of a wobble at the start of the season, but they look really good on offense. Um, they. They looked nice and aggressive at the end of the game as well. One of the things I loved was it was, what was it, third and, even been third and 11. End of the game, they just needed one first down. They could have ran it and punted the ball back, back to Patrick Mahomes and tried to hold him. They didn't. They dropped back to pass. Joe Burrow had a lovely pass to, to T. Higgins, had a pretty good catch as well. And, you know, they've, they thoroughly deserved that win. They were fantastic especially in the second half uh Jermaine Pratt forcing the fumble on Travis Kelsey just uh they were they were well well worthy of the of the of the victory in that game are we being slightly curmudgeonly towards the Broncos I mean I know they've not had a very good season but if you look at the defensive statistics they've got the second best defense in, in the NFL and this is despite trading away two of the most marquee players of, of the last uh, decade effectively in, in Miller and Chubb um, that, that's how bad the offense is that they've yeah, got a defense I mean, that is stifling they held the, they held the Ravens to 10 points I mean the, the, if, if you look at it from that aspect it's just a slight tweak it's just a slight philosophy change or one or two people and personnel change in offense and all of a sudden you're looking at a, a potential AFC West powerhouse of course they don't have maneuverability because of the contract that Russell Wilson's on but Russell Wilson can't I mean he can't go from being potential MVP to being a complete and utter dud over the course of one offseason there, there has to be some sort of rationale as to why he's not playing very well it may well be that the offensive system is just not suited to him at all a new offensive coordinator comes in or you were quite you're not quite convinced, Gordon, that Hackett was was gone um, in Denver. I, I was convinced that Hackett was would convinced, go. Well, yeah. let, let, let me ask you this here. I mean, you've come through this far in the season, and let's be honest, Russell Wilson has not been great. Now, it's either his fault or it's not, but the basic thing, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to get what you're getting. A half-decent offensive coordinator, surely by this point, would have scaled it back and say, this isn't working. I mean, the points per game is appalling. How do we make this better? And you could go to the most basic offense in the world, build it around Russell Wilson. They're not doing that. Nine points. I mean, that, that, it's just one of these things. The Broncos have been absolutely honking. Well, you know, to, to put it in to put it in the perspective, maybe more homegrown of the the sport of uh, football formed by an association uh, invented in the eighteen twenties in Scotland. It can't come home because we're actually home and we're not in the World Cup. But um, if Ronaldo 
gets dropped from Portugal and they bring in a, a young 21-year-old and all of a sudden they're firing on all cylinders. Is that the same situation in Denver? Is is Russell Wilson this faded, egotistical star and maybe they've got a youngster in the, the sidelines waiting to step in and propel them towards glory? Is it is it Russell and his ego that's, that's, that's holding them back? Maybe it isn't the coaching staff. No, I, I think, I mean, sorry, Gordon, let me just run you through some of this. Seahawks, they lost by a point. Broncos scored 16. They beat the Texans, who are going to get the number one pick, we think, by a touchdown, scoring 16. 11 points against the 49ers, who scored 10. 23 against the Raiders and a loss. 9 against the Colts, they lost by 3. 16 against the Chargers, they lost by 3. They lost 9 against the Jets, they lost by 7. They won in London. They lost by a touchdown against the Titans, scoring 10 points, 16 points in the loss against the Raiders, 10 points against the Panthers, 9 points against the Broncos. Now, very, very quickly, the most they've scored all season in a game is 23 for a vaunted, you know, for, for with that talent, that's unacceptable. They've been more under 10 or under than they have been over 23. Especially, yeah. when, especially when you consider it's guaranteed uh, from the horse's mouth that even Cameron Hobbs could throw a touchdown in the NFL. It can't be that difficult, surely. <laughs> Let's not go there. Although they could have brought in Cameron to replace Lamar Jackson. It wouldn't have made much difference in the end. But and, uh, that's that, that's very harsh on Tyler Huntley, who delivered <laughs> a, a very, a very good final drive. Whereas the closest Cameron Hobbs has got to NFL action this week is uh being behind the door as other people talk to someone that host that used to host Good Morning Football. Yeah, he's a big, big Kay Adams fan. That's all we're saying. Nothing. He got, more. To, he, he got to watch a draw this this past weekend. The most the most European of results. Um, yes, jolly well played. He was at uh, the Commanders against the Giants. Twenty twenty apiece. Graham Gonneau tried it from fifty eight yards. Couldn't manage to get it over for that one. So we were talking about uh, teams that we think are playoff bound with state but wins and we talked about the Bengals and the Eagles. Teams that are done, we touched on the Texans. Lovey Smith is looking more like a one and done coach. They just, they look horrible. You know, sometimes, and we talk about teams that don't score a lot in the Broncos. I'm trying to see what would be positive coming out of Houston and I reckon the only thing positive about the Houston Texans at the moment is the fact you could probably get a ticket fairly easily to go and see them. And 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 the their position in the draft. Like this is a this is a team that came into this year needing to rebuild. The only the only downside for them is that the Cleveland Browns now are probably going to win more games than they lose the rest of the way. So that second pick is probably going to be you know, late teens probably by the end of it. Um, but they're going to have the number one overall pick in all likelihood unless something goes very wrong. It'll allow them to take a quarterback like Bryce Young. Um, you would hope they go quarterback instead of, you know, maybe they go for Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, some of the big defensive players. It's kind of what they need. Like, they, that roster does need a complete overhaul. Um, I they've do think... So they've got some young talent. Uh, they do. Uh, they, um, running back and cornerback, they look fairly decent. Yep, the the safety who had the interception this week, uh, Jalen Petrie, he's really good. That, but that, you know, realistically, if you look at that roster, it's the least talented roster in the NFL. It looks like what the Texans were coming into the NFL, which was an expansion team. Um, you know, 
they don't have a quarterback. Davis Mills. The good th- the good thing for the Texans is coming into this season, the best case scenario for them in all likelihood was learning that David's Davis Mills is not your quarterback of the future and having the number one overall pick in the draft, because then you get a pick one. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's interesting because I think the pressure is always on to pick quarterback with your first pick. They do have two first-round picks. You mentioned the one from Cleveland. They've got one in the second, two in the third, and one in the fourth. Arguably, that should be six starters they're picking up. That's what you're looking for. Um, per- perhaps not the fourth round, but certainly the two first, the second, and the two thirds, you are looking for starters out of there. So that's going to be interesting to see where they've done. The other teams that I've got down as being cooked that I'm writing off, uh, Bears, Rams and Cardinals. If the Rams lose, um, they cannot qualify for the playoffs if they lose the next game. Ian, it would be the earliest exit of a Super Bowl champion from playoff contention since Denver in 1999. That's how bad the Rams are this year. It's remarkable. I don't think anyone would have forecast it, but I mean, it's, it's injuries and also um, figuring out what they're trying to do in offence that's, that's done for them this season. I think this week they've just ruled out Aaron Donald for the game coming up um, this weekend. Um, and it's, I mean, I, I was very, very quick to go scoring on any chance of the Cincinnati Bengals having any kind of aspect of a successful season this year and it's it's completely and utterly the opposite. The, the, the Bengals look like they're going into the playoffs and the Rams have just fallen so drastically off a cliff to the point of the fact that or, or to the, the point that the Chargers are now the top team in LA which would be of embarrassment to the, the Rams fans I'm sure. How, how much would you care so for both of you? If, because especially given what the Rams did, right? The Rams went all in to win the Super Bowl last year. They probably got a little bit lucky in the sense that they managed to avoid major injuries apart from Odell Beckham at the start of the Super Bowl. Um, they, so they got the kind of rub of the green when it comes to injuries. They went all in on all these players and it worked out and they win the Super Bowl. Next season, all of a sudden you're on the opposite side and all the bad injury luck. They're probably the unluckiest team in the NFL for injuries this year. If you're a Rams fan, how much would you care? Like, are you still are you still a little bit like hungover from your party celebrating winning the Super Bowl? Like I, I kinda thought about this and like I don't know, maybe maybe um there's a lot of Ravens fans that disagree with me on this, but when people get like quite upset about the fact that the Ravens haven't been to the Super Bowl since 2012, like I've seen them win two Super Bowls in the time that I've been a fan, like I'll, I'll live. You know, this this season, if I was a Rams fan, the only thing that would annoy me about this season for the Rams is that they should have a top five pick in the draft, and they're not going to have a top five pick in the draft because they gave that away. Well, we'll put it in this perspective, Gordon. The Detroit Lions have been permanently in Detroit ever since the curse of Bobby Lane in the 1950s, they've got no chance of ever reaching the championship game. But the Detroit fans have tripped along faithfully every single year to see, apart from when they had Barry Sanders, just complete dross. And the Rams have been in LA for, what, two years? Two years? 
Yeah, three or four now, given that you know the, the COVID yeah. years when they opened the stadium and, and things they, like that. They they flipped around. Um, the Ravens used to be the Browns. Um, I don't think I don't think the Rams fans care, and the Ravens fans are. I don't think they've they've got it so good considering they lost their team to the the Colts. It's not. It's not the same fan dynamic that we have here in in Europe, uh, unless you look at one or two te- I mean, teams like Green Bay, where they're so invested in their community. Uh, they're, they're selling out Vegas. I was watching. I was watching the Raiders game. And they're, they're selling out Vegas. All these Raiders fans. I was thinking, where have where have they all came from? I mean, they've literally just appeared two years ago, and all of a sudden they're, they're selling out. These guys haven't been Raiders fans for all their lives, living in Las Vegas, surely. It's a it's a, a bandwagoning fickle situation, I think, for some of these some of the teams. So I don't think the Rams fans will be too despondent. I think maybe the ego of the owner might be despondent. Maybe ticket sales will start taking a hit. It's an expensive stadium. They need to finance it. That's maybe more of a uh, kind of more of an impact than whether a Rams fan smiles or frowns. Just on that, I think, I mean, the Raiders still have a loyal fan base from Oakland that will travel. I mean, it's travelable to, to Vegas. I mean, it's a bit of a pain in the ass, but you can certainly travel there. We know a lot of the Chargers fans said, well, forget it if you're going to LA. That was too much for them, even though it's only up the freeway. The Rams are different because, you know, they've not taken the fan base from St. Louis, as you said. And I don't know. I mean, I've, I've been to a couple of things in, in, in Los Angeles. It's a very strange fan base. You know, did, he, if, did he switch, Paul? Did he switch between the Chargers and the Rams, depending on who's winning? No, I think they'll switch sports. I think they'll, they'll just decide that, you know, the Lakers will become more important or, you know, I think they'll just switch off into different, you know, go check out how the Kings are doing or something like that. I, I've, it was always my feeling that they were never quite as passionate. I mean, you, you get that at playoff time and, and things like that, but I, I never got the sense that they were so so invested. Just to come back to the, the teams that we think are done, you're talking about going off a cliff. Uh, cliff Kingsbury might be going off a a cliff as such if the Cardinals don't come back. he's I think he's in a little bit of trouble. Um, but interestingly, you look at like, so the AFC East, everybody's still in contention there, uh, probably for positive reasons. And then you look at the NFC South, and there's not a winning record amongst them. The teams are pretty average at best, yet they could all still win the division. So we can't write any well, of these teams off. I think, but it's, uh, it's horrendous. I think you're being pretty generous to call those teams pretty average, I think, at this point. It's it's not the word I had written down, Gordon. I decided <laughs> to, you know, fam- family friendly show and all that. The, Sa- the Saints at four and nine and, you know, realistically not being, you know, a couple of games out of the playoffs, out of winning that. I, I think ultimately, like, we all know that's probably the Bucks division. They're going to be the the four seed in the NF in the NFC. I just yeah. I'm str- I'm struggling, you know. And the what I want though now is it's kind of fun and novelty when you have a team while losing record in the playoffs. Like it adds a bit of <laughs> this is a bit silly. This shouldn't really be happening. And, and then they'll go and they'll go and beat the five seed, whoever the five seed winds up being, just because that's the fickle way it works. Yeah, I mean. Uh... I thought the Steelers did well to beat the Falcons. The Falcons have choked in the last couple of weeks. I thought the Falcons were the only realistic team to put a little bit of pressure on the Buccaneers. The Saints 
blew it big time on Monday night football. Um, if you've got a running back, try and make the first down marker. You know, if you're going to run for nine yards, try and run for 10. It's just part of the game. Uh, it didn't cost the Saints the game, but it was certainly a factor. Talking about teams that are on the bubble then, the Jags and the Colts, I think, are just on that very edge. The Raiders are, but I'm not writing them off completely because I still think they've got a decent schedule. The Browns and Steelers are probably a win or sort of loss away from going out. And the Packers, where do we where do we stand on the Packers at five and eight at the moment? Are, are they done? I mean, or can they scramble a wild card somewhere? I, I other think than, other than Christian Watson trying to single-handedly drag them into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, they are at the point now where it is like they are in the playoffs now. Like if they lose another game, and they play the Rams this week, so they'll or next week. I think are they off this week? Um, you know, they'll win uh, next week against the Rams. Dolphins will probably kill their season the week after. And then if not, they've got the Packers and the Lions, who at this point in time, it's hard to say they're better than. It's it's interesting to see like the Packers could the Packers could wind up with a top ten pick in the draft. Then they could pick That'd another be- quarterback, and then we can have Charles <laughs> on to debate whether or not they should have taken a quarterback when they have Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. I look forward to that conversation. We'll come on to quarterbacks in a minute. So are we fair to say that everybody else, I mean, the, the NFC, you know, even the commanders at seven and five are still in there. I think the commanders and the Giants cut each other's throat with that, that tie. I don't think that helped anybody overall in terms of just trying to get, you know, to chase, to chase down the Cowboys. Apparently, uh, percentage-wise for the playoffs, it actually helped them both. Apparently, it's it was something like uh, the lion. The lions, despite the fact they won against the Jaguars, their percentage chance to make the playoffs dropped because the tie means that it's harder for them to catch both of the Giants and the Commanders. So that because they're both kind of around about that. That was the one. I think we said this last week. It's like had like a forty percent swing in playoff probability yeah. depending on who won or lost and they tied so they both got like a small boost but not as big as they could have I, I think it's going to take a, a miracle to to stop the Giants the Commanders and the Seahawks being the, the, the wild card teams coming from the, the NFC um, I can't see the, the other teams are just too they, they shoot themselves in the foot too often to to put in a, 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 a run of, they'll have to win the next four games effectively I think to try and um, pass any of the other teams sitting in the wild card spots I, I can't see yeah. any of the teams being that consistent to do it and, and realistically not, like, not even realistically um, if the Giants the Commanders and the Seahawks win two more games each then the Packers can't make the playoffs because they can't catch them you can't catch the Giants and Commanders at at worst, nine, seven, and one. I think that would be. Um... It's, it's also interesting the lines, the kind of form that they've come into. That their offense is really taken off, but their defense is terrible. And is is Dan Campbell going to have the the heart to sack Aaron Glenn because he seems so close to his coaching staff, watching hard knocks? But that's the 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 kind of the remit of the head coach. You have to sacrifice some of your assistants if they're not performing. Do you think it's a <laughs> like a talent issue defensively. Like I kind of think they've got an opportunity with the draft this year. They're going to have a top five pick. 
take yourself a quarterback and then with your own pick that might be a playoff pick, go defense and start. I, I feel like when you look at their defense, they're not, the players aren't necessarily terrible, but like Aiden Hutchinson is obviously a rookie, so he's not really there yet. Like they've not, they've not really got any kind of marquee players really on defense, I don't think. I think there'll have to be a change there at, at some point. And I, I think maybe Campbell's done enough to give himself an extra season, but I can't see the same coaching staff coming back. I think there's going to be changes. And interestingly, I mean, you're thinking they'll take a, a quarterback. Maybe they're happy with golf. It's possible. I, th- I think the coaching staff have got one more year combined. I think Campbell might have slightly more. And I think that's, you know, they're still looking at a potential winning record, and I think you know that that's something that they would they would dearly love. Just to jump back to the the Giants and Commanders with the, the time, I mean, it's obviously done the Commanders slightly more damage um, because the Giants have got one less loss, and uh, I think the next game they play again in a couple of weeks' time. So that's going to be an absolutely fascinating game in week 15. Just look at if the playoffs did finish today, the guys were right. So it'd be Eagles, Vikings, 49ers, Bucks with Cowboys, Giants and Seahawks on the bubble. Washington, Lions at 5-7 and are next there. Our friends in the AFC, we've already written off some of the teams. Certainly, you're looking at the Broncos, Jags, yeah, Colts, Steelers, Browns, we reckon are on the bubble. The Raiders got a wee chance. The Chargers, the Patriots, the ones that are outside at the moment. Currently, the division winners would be the Bills, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Titans, uh, with the Bengals, Dolphins and Jets all coming up. The Jets, I think, would be the biggest surprise in there. But just watch the Patriots, 6-6. Six and six. Just You're never quite sure what they're going to do. And we reckon definitely the Texans looking at the the number one pick can't really see anybody. I can't see them winning two games and Broncos not winning again, for example. Yeah, it's it's hard to see um, on that. I I think it's going to be really interesting to see. It's interesting to see how uh, the East and the North are going to shake out. I think the South's done. The Titans have won that. The Chiefs can mathematically clinch the West this week and it's just going to be interesting to see I think the Bills are the better team in the East, see if they can hold off the Dolphins there um, and then it's but, whether or not But, terrible injury news to the Bills today Von Miller, yeah Yep, yep. torn ACL um, and he's he's a key I'm, I'm, I'm thinking ahead to when they're inevitably going to bump up against the, the Chiefs in the, the playoffs but I think Von Miller would be one of the key chess pieces in, in, in any matchup for the Bills Yeah that that's a bad one and and let's talk about another injury just off the back of we, we talked about signature when I fancied the Dolphins to go in and beat the 49ers I just thought they were they were running at the right speed they were looking good they were putting their way along Jimmy Garoppolo goes out. Now, at that point, we didn't know how serious it was. And I'm thinking, yep, I've been clever here. I've packed Miami. And Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant in 2022, the final pick of the draft, comes in. A former four-year starter at Iowa State. 25 of 37, 210 yards. Passer rating just short of 89. (sighs) What did you make of him, Gordon? I thought, like, he he was solid enough. Um... I I think it's it's tough to see him being good enough for them to make any noise in the playoffs, which is a shame. 
I, I mean, a shame is a relative term because Cameron would be uh, impossible to live with if the 49ers won the Super Bowl. But that that defense had, you know, one of the best performances of the season, I thought, apart from that, you know, a, a play at the start of the game and then a couple of plays um, kind of early fourth quarter. They, they are the first defense that's figured out the Dolphins' offense this year, it felt like. Just completely yeah. shut them down. Um, so the fact that they're not going to get to make some noise in the playoffs in all likelihood um, because they're now in their third string quarterback at this point in time. It's a bit of a shame. Ian, I've got some good news for you. You've just been promoted to the general manager of the 49ers. And And before you send all the best players to the Eagles, question for you. Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, there's been noise that it was done for the season. He might be back for the playoffs. They've walked that or limped that back a little bit. Um, but potentially he could come back. You've got Brock Purdy. You've just re-signed Josh Johnston off the Broncos practice squad. There are other names available. So apparently Cam Newton is fit and ready to go. Ryan Fitzpatrick is currently Amazon Thursday Night Football. Josh Rosen is a former 49er. He's been there before. Do you make a move for any of them, or do you back Brock and Josh Johnston? What would you do? How can you not back a man that's named after a badger? Um, <laughs> I, I think we found the title of this week's podcast. You, you, you have to stick. You have to stick with the the weapon you've got. I think in this instance, just the the gamble that it, trying to get somebody up to NFL speed that's not been um, kind of saturated in the playbook for the last six months or whatever. Um, I've, I've, and you've, it's good. Um, it's good for the rest of the roster to see that the the coaching staff and the general manager are willing to actually replace a player with somebody that's already there. It gives them more impetus, gives them better kind of squad bonding to do that. Um, but it, it, it's it's kind of unfortunate the way it's kind of we we all thought that it was an excellent kind of insurance system having. Um, Garopolo, which is the correct pronunciation of his name, and the, 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 that that the, sounds like the catchphrase of the Spice Girls. And the, gonna... the, the high flying first round draft pick, but two almost identical injuries, and you're down to third string, and basically um, bringing in the only other omnivore that's a mammal other than humans. <laughs> some, some great knowledge there. So one thing they didn't do, Gordon, was they didn't chase Baker Mayfield on the waiver wire. Uh, he's gone to the Rams. Now, you could say he's gone to a very good team, much better than the Panthers, potentially. Um, there's mixed rumours whether he will or won't play Thursday night. John Wolford is currently carrying a neck injury. Matthew Stafford is obviously out. Uh the 2018 number one pick last season, you know, lined up behind centre in Cleveland. He's got all of his wonderful adverts running on TV. Now he's got two teams in a single season. I think this is a cautionary tale on the the things you don't see on the field have such a big impact on whether or not a player is going to be successful. Um, all the things that we see 
you know, a lot of players. And I, I don't know how much work Baker Mayfield has put in in Carolina and Cleveland and stuff there. But one of the concerns coming into the draft for him was around things like maturity. He'd had a couple of issues where he was chased down by a cop at one point, you know, running after uh, being chased down for something. There was things like planting the flag against Ohio State when he was at Oklahoma, all those things, and got into the NFL, faced a little bit of adversity with the Browns early on in his career, and just didn't really develop beyond it. And it, it's tough to see. The difficult thing for him is the Panthers clearly wasn't a good situation for him. Uh, you know, there's not a ton of talent there. I think he is the type of quarterback who what you're going to get out of him is very closely tied to what you have around him. So if you've got some good wide receivers there, I think you'll probably put up some solid numbers. If you don't, you're probably going to get a lot of interceptions. And the tough thing here for the Rams is that their offensive line is bad right now. Um, Again, more injuries and just bad play. So you're going to see Baker Mayfield play behind a bad offensive line without its top wide receivers and you're going to see Baker Mayfield play badly. The one thing I will say though is if the Rams did this just to be petty to avoid the 49ers getting him, then it's entirely worth 1.5 million or however much they have to pay him for the rest of the year because being petty is so much better than anything else. And if their season is going to go down the tube and a starting quarterback that would help the 49ers to the NFC Championship game again becomes available because that that's that's the awful thing for Baker like that's the situation for him right getting Kyle Shanahan's system you know a lot of play action um, a lot of talented wide receivers that are going to be open because the way they scheme things he would have probably like been able to put himself in the shop window pretty well there Um, and the other interesting thing is there is um, discussion today I saw a, a clip from the Ross Tucker show around how there is um conversation around Matthew Stafford's going to need surgery. And if he doesn't, it could be a career-ending injury. So from that perspective for the Rams, it's probably one of those, there's no risk to this. Get Baker in, maybe he looks good for a couple of games, and then you can consider what you want to do next year. Yeah, we wish Matthew Stafford well. That's not great news whatsoever. Let's have a quick look ahead to week 14 of 18 weeks in the NFL. Rams Raiders will get us underway on Thursday night football. Still slightly underwhelmed by Amazon's coverage, I have to say. We'll talk about that another time. Lions Vikings looks tasty on Sunday at 6. Steelers Ravens. The Steelers have dug out a couple of wins and have been sticky. Uh, Lamar definitely missing. Pretty much, definitely. Yeah. Um, it is not um, completely guaranteed, but it's very, very unlikely. Ian, the Bengals take on the Browns. What price does Sean Watson getting booed off at halftime when the Bengals are 24-0 up? Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's all I needed was the laugh. You don't need to go any further. About Listen, that. one <laughs> thing. One thing I'm going to say. One thing I'm going to say that their reaction to Watson playing for the Browns from the the listeners to our podcast has been what you would expect from a group of very well educated and compassionate individuals. So, um, and, our and, podcast and, listeners are awesome. We we do. They are incredibly well educated, and Johnny Bailey as well. 
<laughs> it's Ravens against the Steelers this week. Let me get that in. There's always a cheap shot somewhere along the line. Bills Jets will be pretty decent. That will feature very heavily. Cowboys against the Texans will be fairly one-sided. Giants against Eagles. Here's what you're expecting there. Line line up against your man and punch him square in the face. That's Eagles Giants football. Um, that's that's just the crowd. What do you think will happen on the? <laughs> Listen, the the Giants. Maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the Giants were thinking, well, let's give them the big dose of Saquon Barkley, run forty times in the game. But the Eagles just stuffed Derrick Henry, struggled to get thirty yards against them. So the Giants wouldn't have as one-sided a game plan, I think, coming into that as they would want. And the Eagles can hurt you any way they want, passing it, running the ball, really difficult to to scheme for in defense. So. It's going to be a, it's going to be an absolutely fascinating, a fascinating game, and it's these games are always I mean divisional games are always tight, but th- this is one of the games where I think you'll you'll be able to judge what the Eagles are about this season, and also judge how close the Giants are to getting success in in the playoffs because it's two two teams that are motivated to beat each other if they're both coming in zero and sixteen, um, but both teams winning records and a lot in the line, it's going to be it's going to be a great game. I think so. I think some of the, the football, I think the best football is going to be early. Um, we've not got a lot of good games a little bit later on. The Kansas City Chiefs against the Denver Broncos is uh, the CBS game just after nine. Carolina Panthers against Seattle Seahawks. Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the San Francisco 49ers was the big game on Fox. And of course, that now looks like it's going to be Brock Purdy taking on Tom Brady. Sunday night football looks pretty decent, gentlemen. Miami Dolphins against the Los Angeles Chargers. Dolphins struggled against the 49ers in week 13. Uh, However, the Chargers' defense is not the 49ers. But I think you mentioned it already, Gordon, that San Francisco figured out the Dolphins, something the Chargers will be looking really closely at the film on that one. Yeah, and I think the the tough thing for the um the Chargers this season, they've got a bunch of talent on defense. They just they haven't really figured out how to put it all together. And you know, as much as the Dolphins struggled last week, I don't know that that we, we get this a lot, don't we? Anytime a new coach comes in and the first kind of hint of struggle, we kind of look towards that the blueprint to stop them. Um the 49ers are a very, very talented defense, both in scheme with D'Amico Ryans as the coach there, and also the talent they have when it comes to their edge defenders and all talent all over the field. So um, I, th- I don't know that the Chargers are going to have the same success there. And Monday Night Football is, is not a thriller. It's the cards at the Patriots. I guess the Patriots need to win that if they're going to keep on going. But that's not, not the best game of the week. And that's that's the problem. You're trying to pick out these games so far in advance. You don't really like to swap out a certain number. Uh, but that's not that's it, not going it, to be the case. Does it seem odd to you guys? We've got, we're in what, we're the second week of... December effectively when these these fixtures are going to take place and we've got six teams on a bye that that late into the season that that I mean that seems weird to me was this not part of the the move to the 18 game season did they not say they were going to move some buys later in the year or something like that I have a feeling that was part of it 
it just seems so odd though to to have it still so late, and it's part of the reason why the late the late schedule from nine o'clock onwards has been so diluted because you've got these six teams that have disappeared out of the schedule when they they could be playing. But it just seems odd to in the second week of December to have buys still taking place. It's usually all said and done by the end of November, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, you're right. There's four games in the late window um, on the 18th of December, or more commonly known as my birthday. Um, and then looking ahead the following week, of course, it gets more complicated because they're playing a couple of games on the Friday night, then some of the games on Christmas Day. Uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Christmas Day games, just having a look. Again, I don't think it's fallen particularly kindly for the broadcasters. Dolphins, Packers, uh, at least the Dolphins should be interesting. And Rams, Broncos could be a honker as well. So they might try and get that one out of there. We will see. Gentlemen, anything else NFL-related caught your eye this week? One thing that I did notice that was quite enticing was um, the Stramash podcast has been tweeting out that people need to keep the dates free around Championship uh, weekend, um, both on the Friday, which is the 27th, and the Sunday, which is the 29th. Now, I'm not sure what this is all about, but the rumours are we have an all-pro player coming over to join us in Glasgow and in Edinburgh during that weekend. That sounds very intriguing. I thought you were going to say we had a player joining us. I presume that was Charles Patterson, because as we all know, Charles is a player. But it's a different Char- type Char- of player. No, that, that weekend, Charles is actually uh, going to be uh, in redacted. <laughs> <laughs> well, we certainly look forward to more news of somebody coming to join the Stramash team for the championship weekend. That's still some time away. Look forward to your week 14 action coming up across radio and television. Gordon and Ian, thank you for joining me here on episode 213 of Stramash, the podcast of the NFL Scotland team. Do keep across our website where our writers are busy providing some great content and keep an eye across our social media channels as well. Cameron Hobbs is back next week. But for Gordon, for Ian and myself, Paul Mitchell. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. No awards, no prizes given away, no link to the Winifel show. (sighs) Don't worry, folks, I'm back next week.